Today's episode is brought to you by The Gallery. Based out of New York, The Gallery is a curated collection of photographs from around the world. While we're all unable to travel, this is a great way to bring a piece of the world to you. All prints are made from 100% recycled aluminum, giving your wall that gallery finish. Right now, The Gallery is offering our listeners 15% off their purchase by using the code 15OFF. That's 15OFF. Go to thegallery.com, that's the G-A-L-R-Y.com, so your wall will never be boring again. If you need help with editing, music production, or anything else related to your podcast, reach out to me at greg at suburbanfolk.com to discuss how I can help you get your voice heard. Health, travel, finance, parenting, and home improvement. This is the Suburban Folk Podcast. $250 a month into my child's 529 from the month that they start kindergarten, I should be able to pay for 80% of my child's college. Because I don't trust that most people will eat their vegetables. So usually our kind of standard is three servings of vegetables per meal. You take something like a a two by six and you cut it with a circular saw. That's like a superpower. Those middle school years are not as fun, but... At that age, they're still willing to talk to you. Welcome to the Suburban Folk Podcast. I'm your host, Greg. Today's topic is around retirement planning. If you're like me, your mind immediately goes to the financial aspect of retiring. But once you have your finances in order that you can retire, do you have a plan for what you'll do to give your life meaning and purpose? Studies continually show that we need a purpose in order to live a fulfilling life. My guest today is Patricia Cavanaugh. She's one of the nation's leading experts in non-financial retirement planning. She has a master's in counseling psychology, is a licensed psychotherapist, and as a retirement coach, she is widely considered one of the thought leaders in the field of non-financial retirement planning. With more than 30 years of experience in psychology and human behavior, Patricia has been brought in by organizations from PBS, Turner Construction, Ameriprise Financial, the Federal Reserve Board, and the University of California to help guide their employees or clients through a step-by-step planning process for their next 20 to 30 years of life. As the founder and owner of her retirement lifestyle-focused business, The Third Act, She has helped countless people heading into retirement to plan, create, and build all of their non-financial aspects of retirement. Thanks, Patricia, for joining the show today. Can you kick us off by telling us about your background and how you came to develop the third act? Hi, Greg. It's nice to meet you virtually this way. I have been a psychotherapist for over 35 years, and so I have a a long history in working with folks and helping folks through difficult times. And when I was looking at my own retirement and what I wanted to do in the next phase of my life, so this was about 2007, I looked around for someone to help me with this next phase and there was nobody there. There was nobody focused on retirement except for financial retirement. And I'm not a financial retirement planner. I'm a a non-financial lifestyle planner for retirement. So in 2007, 2008, I began to look around for some help. I couldn't find any. And then I decided that this was an area, this was a field that people needed help in because I couldn't be the only one. I'm, I'm kind of on the on the front edge of the boomers. And there was a huge wave of boomers coming and nobody there to focus on how to really successfully and happily retire. And then 2008 happened and I had just started my business, The Third Act. 
And it was not a great time to start a business, uh, if you remember. <laughs> it wasn't. And the last thing anybody wanted to talk about was retirement. And I would go to dinner parties or cocktail parties and people would say, well, what are you doing? And I would say, you know, I've started this business called The Third Act and it's reinventing yourself in retirement. And people would just turn around and walk in the other direction. It was really a subject that was scary to people or they, they just didn't have a clue about retirement or, or what it could possibly be. So that's that's kind of the backstory. You mentioned being a baby boomer. And I think some of the stereotypes that I am aware of is baby boomers never want to admit that they're getting older and never want to be considered put out to pasture. So I imagine just the word retirement is toxic when you're talking to a baby boomer. Is the concept of calling something the third act, i.e. you're not being put out to pasture, something that speaks to baby boomers and that, that kind of indicative of what other factors they should be looking at in retirement? You know, you're absolutely right, Greg. The baby boomers want to reinvent everything, and they, they don't want to think of themselves as old or put out to pasture. And retirement is a very, it's a word that people really dislike, really do not relate to. And so I tried every which way to change that. I talked about reinvention and redo and rework and all different kinds of ways of renaming retirement, but we're kind of stuck with it. And so I add the third act, which is not the fourth act, but the third act. And it's a great act. So this is a time where people can really thrive and really grow. It's not a time to wind down. It's not a time to just sit in front of the TV and watch TV or knit or play golf. It's a time to really get active and, and do more. It's, it's an exciting time. You mentioned some of the activities that people might be interested in, or the other way, things that they may think of of retirement, of like, oh, I don't want to do that all the time. So can you give us examples of what these non-financial factors are and how you walk a potential client through making a plan for themselves? It's really interesting to think about this stage of life as a different one than the second act. So the second act is when you're raising your family or you're growing your career. Uh, it's a time where you're really focused on growth and development in the societal way. And so the third act is quite different from that. You're thinking about your time in a different way. So as you said before, boomers don't want to think about growing old or even the D word, death. When you wake up one morning and you realize that you have less time than you had a few years ago in your life, where you're looking at maybe half of your life is over, or two thirds of your life is over, and it tends to focus you in a different way than it does in the second act when you're focused on raising your children and, and advancing in your career or your profession. So this is more of a, a life stage that's a new developmental stage for adults. And I've named it the third act. Um, usually, in the past, um, people just didn't live this long. You know, 150 years ago, people did not 
did not live to this age. But now we're living longer. We have pretty good health. We have pretty good wealth. And so we have this extra bonus of time that's often 20 to 30 years after we finish work or the typical kind of second act work. Do you find that people need to be refocused into one area of life or another? Of course, when we think retirement, we think the end of whatever your primary career was. So for example, would you primarily have to encourage people to look for a different career or pursue a passion, ideally that doesn't have a dollar requirement behind it? Or is it something else like family or living somewhere that they've always wanted to live? It's really a combination. It can be a combination of things. And it's your design. It's your plan. So so what we do in the third act is help you look for what gives you meaning and purpose now in your life? Sometimes, you know, people often ask me is, is, you know, what age does the third act begin? And it's not really an age. It's a state of mind. Part of it is what I was saying before, when you, you kind of wake up one day and you go, oh my goodness, I have less future ahead of me than I used to. What do I want to do with this precious time? What do I want to do with this precious life that I have. People design all different kinds of uh, life plans for themselves in the third act. And because they may have had talents and skills in their second act that they don't want to do anymore. For instance, they might be really great at, uh, for instance, organizing files or doing that kind of work. And they don't want to do that anymore. They might be really good at it, but they just don't want to do it anymore. They want to do other things that they haven't had a chance to do. And so we help people look through their lives and see what skills and talents they want to take forward with them. It's kind of like going on a journey and you kind of decide, let's see, what do I want to pack in my suitcase? Or what do I want to put in my backpack? What's important to me now? And like one of the maybe one of the through lines is that you really love helping people. And maybe you were a nurse in your second act. And you don't want to have that kind of life anymore, that those kinds of demands. But you still want to give back. You still want to help. That's a kind of part of your character. So we we help folks kind of weave those into their plan as they go forward. And we also use Martin Seligman's psychology, positive psychology, and what he's found can help people develop a really wonderful life plan. And there are five ingredients to that, which we include in the design of a really successful third act plan. And so would you like me to give you the five elements? Yeah, sure. So the first one is active engagement. And the second one is positive emotions. There's positive relationships. And of course, meaning and purpose has to be part of the plan and also accomplishment. So accomplishment could be that you get paid or you get some sort of remuneration for your work or you you just feel good or you get kudos from your friends or family or your community for what it is that you're doing. And of course, meaning and purpose is critical for human beings. You want to have a reason to wake up in the morning and a way of giving back to your community. That's hugely important. And then one of the most significant aspects of designing a 
successful and happy lifestyle retirement plan is to have positive relationships in your life. Actually, the longest study that was done on human aging out of Harvard talked about having human connection is the most important factor of designing a happy life. You can have all the money in the world, but if you don't have people that you're connected to, it doesn't have to be a huge number, but you have to have positive relationships and connection in your life. And then just having good emotions in your life. And study after study has shown that as people age, things are actually more positive. They feel more positive. They feel more upbeat in their lives. And active engagement is a sense of having a sense of flow in what you do. There was a wonderful book actually called Flow, written by Mihail Csikszentmihalyi, about being so involved in the work that you're doing or the activity that you're doing that you lose track of time and you kind of enter into what lots of athletes call the zone. And so we want to be sure when we're designing the plan that you have activities that include active engagement or bringing you into the flow. I think you're hitting a lot of hot topics that you hear about today around having purpose as opposed to, for example, just pursuing happiness and what is the definition of happiness. And then, of course, relationships, I think, also adds to that meaning. Maybe that's why retirement has sort of a negative connotation because people think that they're no longer pursuing something, which is connected to their meaning and having a purpose. So it all really makes sense. I think probably not even just for somebody that's getting to quote retirement age. And also, as you mentioned, it's probably a fluid conversation about what the appropriate age is. Have you ever done any kind of comparisons for these concepts to just the general population? compared to people that are getting ready to retire or stated a different way. If I'm stuck in a cubicle at a job that I can't stand, a lot of these same goals probably would apply for me, even though I wouldn't really call it retirement. Oh, absolutely. I mean, these these five keys are what makes not only a happy retirement life, but a happy life. And then the way we tweak it is, how can we bring forward your skills and strengths into this new life where you're not doing a nine to five job, where you're creating your own structure, you're creating your own meaning and purpose, and also one where you're valued. A lot of times people feel marginalized, can feel marginalized when they retire and they feel like they're being, as you said earlier, put out to pasture. And people need to be valued. And that's where the accomplishment comes in. These keys to happiness go across the board. They're for for everyone. And we just tweak them a bit for those that are moving into their third act. What are some of the negative impacts that you see in people that don't have a plan for continuing to have purpose for themselves or fostering their relationships. This is one of the the reasons that I really love this work because it helps people to, this kind of focus helps people to avoid the kind of life where things just happen and you don't have any intention and you don't have any plan. You know, life will continue to happen whether you have a plan or not. 
And so people find themselves just going out and having coffee. Somebody comes by and they have lunch. I mean, that does, there's nothing wrong with that. But your days can fill up with just kind of random activities that have no, no meaning or connection to who you are. And who you are in this stage of life, what your identity is, is really important. And that's tied to meaning and purpose as well. I'm all about having this particular stage of life instead of it being kind of like coming in for a landing where you put up your tray table and tighten your seatbelts and come in for a landing. It's more about you're going to be taking off into a life that you've designed for yourself that's full of meaning and purpose for you and where you feel a value to your family, yourself, your family, your community, your country, the world. Do you address the need for people to stay fit in some way uh, during retirement as well? Absolutely. That's one of the issues in, um, in my workbook that I talk about. If you don't have a solid, healthy foundation, none of these plans are going to work. It's the same with a financial plan. You must have a financial plan that goes along with your lifestyle plan. They just go hand in hand. And the basis for all of that is good health. And so to be sedentary and sit in front of a TV for 12 hours a day is not a, a great way to live. And so, yes, definitely encourage to find a way to be active. That old saying, if you don't use it, you lose it. Study after study after study shows the importance of physical activity to help with emotional well-being. I also imagine that staying fit and having a regimen like that probably also puts you in a good position to be a part of the community and have that as one of your social groups. For example, if you join a gym or I don't know, have a running group or whatever the activity happens to be. So you could really be getting to two goals there. So again, reiterating that we're not really talking about the financial aspect of retirement. How do you interact with people that come to you in making sure at least they have enough to accomplish the goals that you're discussing with them and then also, I guess, working directly with maybe a financial advisor or something like that. What does that relationship look like? I always recommend that people have a good financial planner. I had one client who came to a, a retreat workshop that I was doing. She had a financial plan that she thought was really good. And after the weekend retreat and going through the third act process, she took that plan and that vision to her financial planner and readjusted what she had been thinking her plan was going to be. I always recommend that people make sure that what they're envisioning fits with the wherewithal that they have. I have worked with financial planning organizations and um, been brought in to talk to the agents and to the planners and to their uh, clients as well. What does that look like as far as stress is concerned? I mean, uh, this is a leading question because I kind of know the answer, <laughs> but um, it also goes into that health piece. I mean, gosh, talk about maybe a deflator that you're entering third act, you have that plan and maybe your finances are somehow 
indicating that you didn't successfully complete the second act, <laughs> keeping the same terminology, which maybe could have a feeling of, I hate to say failure, but certainly could be weighing on you and then also maybe causing additional stress when you're figuring out what you want to do in this next stage of life. Most people that I work with want to continue to work. They're retiring from working in a certain way. But most folks that I know in this field, folks that I've worked with, really want to continue to have an income. They might have enough. They enjoy having an inflow of money and not having it always go out. I have had an experience where a person needed to keep doing their regular... No, that's not exactly right. They they thought of another way of increasing their income with their third act plan. Now that's coming to me. So a different way of bringing in money than they did before. So for instance, people often want to start their own business in their third act. They're really tired of with someone else's vision or someone else's structure, and they start their own businesses. So that's a way that people respond to not having quite enough money that they, they were hoping to have from their second act. That's happened quite a number of times, starting their own businesses. What's the youngest age of a person that's coming to you saying they are ready for their third act? Or in other words, if you've heard of the FIRE movement, financial independence, retire early. And the reason I thought of that is like what you mentioned, people get to the point where they want to try to work for themselves, start a new business. And of course, the term financial independence doesn't have an age range of any kind at all as well. But it has that same goal in mind, if that is a person's goal, that if they want to try something new, they want to test out new skills, then they would have the means to do that. I'm just curious, what is the youngest you've had somebody come to you because they are ready to make that move? The youngest person that came to me, I think it was 55. I've had younger people come and contact me, but it's for their parents. They're worried about their parents who are getting ready to retire. So they call me up and say, I want to give a gift to my father. He's retiring next year and he does not have a clue what he's going to do with himself. He's been working himself to the bone for 30 years and and now he's going to retire. So so I've had younger people come to me, but not for themselves. So I would say 55. I haven't had people that have been independently wealthy come to me at that age, but people that want to have a plan. They want to have an idea of what they're aiming for, what their goal is. And it's not just about money. It's about how they want to live their lives now that they have the freedom to choose and structure it how they want to. Should they be doing some of that self-realization prior to getting ready to move on? I guess the answer is yes. So really my question should be how much in advance of retiring from their primary job should they be discovering what they want to do and where their interests lie? I would say two or three years uh, ahead of time. At the minimum, two or three years would be good before they're retiring. I, I worked uh, for an organization that had, um, and this is a little bit of a segue, that had difficulty getting people to retire. And this was around 2009, 2010. And they, the jobs were really solid and really good. 
and they didn't have a vision for what was next. And so it was hard for them to even think about planning retirement. It was hard for them to even access or make use of the the tools that this company had for them because they couldn't even envision what life would be outside of the job. And so I think it's really wonderful to have a plan that you're heading towards. Now you can always adjust and tweak that plan. Nothing's written in cement, but not to have a plan or a vision does not bode well for a successful retirement. I would say three to five years uh, before you retire. Do you think with the emergence of the gig economy and frankly, when you hear about millennials, it's pretty common to say people that go from job to job, even from career to career, that there will be less scenarios of people ending that primary career and then not knowing what they're going to do? You know, I think that's a really interesting idea, Greg. I, I think things are really changing. It could easily be more fluid than it has been before. And I would welcome that. I I just really don't like this idea of putting somebody out to pasture and nobody else likes it either as you get closer. So if we had a much more kind of fluid shifting of our careers, so things were more flexible and more open, I hope that that's the future for us and that there's not just, well, as it is now for most younger people, they don't have just 30 years with one company. It's three or four or five years with one company and then they transfer around So I think more flexibility and fluidity is what we should be aiming for. And um, I think younger people are pointing the way to that. Yeah, I definitely agree. For example, whenever we do financial episodes, one thing that I recommend to people is if you can get a side hustle or gain other skills or figure out really anything in your day-to-day life that you can monetize, it's a smart idea to at least vet the process So if your day job does happen to go away, at least you're not losing all of your income and it also builds your overall skill set. And I, while I'm an old millennial, technically I am still a millennial. So the thought to me, based on that being my mindset of having one particular job or way of doing things going away and then just being completely lost is admittedly a little bit foreign to me. So it will be interesting to see what happens there. Let's shift a little bit to another core topic. I mentioned some of what we talk about for finances and into travel. When you are advising people while they're planning their third act, do you say travel is specifically something somebody should do? Is it really just preference? Where does that fall in somebody's overall plan? It is really preference. Lots of times people want to travel it's, it's interesting that you asked that question, Greg, because it brought to mind when I was doing uh, working with a couple and they were talking about their retirement plans. And one person, I can't remember if it was the man or the woman, was planning to travel and had assumed that their spouse was planning to travel too. And they hadn't talked about the plan at all. So it was it was really a surprise to each of them that they had completely different ideas about not only about travel, but where they wanted to live. One wanted to live on a golf course and the other wanted to live in downtown Manhattan. So they were really far apart. But travel, I think, is a preference. And often people like to take when they retire, they take some time to 
go to their garage and empty their garage out and sort through all of that stuff or their attic or their basement. Then when that's done, then they want to travel and they travel for a while. And then they have, but they have a plan for when they come back. So to me, it's really personal preference. It's not something I assign people. You need to go away. You need to go to Tuscany and travel for a bit. It's really personal preference. Let's talk about the example you gave a little bit further as far as being on the same page with your spouse. What does that look like and how can people get ahead of making sure they're on the same page? First of all, to to talk about it and retirement is such a scary topic for most people that they avoid it and they don't talk about it. And that's a huge mistake. Um, couples need to talk about when they want to retire. And sometimes the man will retire before the woman and she's still working and he's at home waiting for her to come home. And because he's worked for so many years, he hasn't really developed friendships. So she has been his emotional relationship primarily with no one else. And so it can be really uh, challenging. I had a couple that I worked with, which that was the situation where she continued to work. Their age differences were about 10 years. And he was just pounced on her when she came home because he was all by himself. And so one of the things we talked about uh, when they came to the workshop was Uh, to create positive relationships in his life besides his wife. What he began to do as part of his goal for his plan was to develop relationships in his neighborhood, which six months later, I checked in with them and he had developed a group of friends, all men, who took on a beautifying project in their neighborhood. So that, that took the burden off the wife and expanded his circle of friends and things just kind of settled down at home. First of all, people just need to talk about it. They need to talk about, well, do we want to move? Do we want to live close to our kids or not? Do we want to downsize or not? There has to be a real clear conversation about those. And those are things that we talk about in the the couples. If I do couples work or if I do uh, workshop work with couples, those are issues that we definitely address. Health is another one that you brought up before that couples really need to look at their health and what they need to address, what they need to correct in their diet or in their exercise program. That's really important. And also mental health. You know, spiritual well-being. Those are other issues that we talk about. Pick up one of the other considerations that you mentioned with kids. Is there a good or ideal situation versus a not ideal situation as far as whether or not to move to where the kids and grandkids are or when it's maybe not a good idea to do that? You know, that's such an individual choice and it's so situational, Greg. The thing about moving to where kids are is sometimes you move there. I've heard this a number of times with the folks that I've worked with, that they move. And so there you are in this location that you didn't really want to be in because you wanted to be close to the kids and the kids move. Other times people find ways where families, it it really is wonderful to be with your family and to help with the grandchildren and to be around with the next generation growing up. It just really depends. There's no right answer. The right answer is individually chosen by the couple or by the solo ager. Another decision point would be 
the type of setting to live in. And of course, I wouldn't be doing the show justice if I didn't mention the suburbs, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I think, again, when you talk about baby boomers, they were the first generation that was born and raised in the suburbs. There's a very good chance have spent their whole life there. Is there pros and cons to staying in the suburbs or is there a consideration for moving into an urban setting or a rural setting? It's again, an individual's choice. There's so many new things happening about living uh, situations for older people now. And one of the things that I thought about in reflecting on this question is that people are beginning to think about living together with other adults. So there might be a way that in the suburbs, instead of moving away from the house maybe you've lived in for 30 or 40 years, you might think about bringing in a friend to live with you or to live with if you're married uh, with you and your partner. It could still work the suburbs. The other thought I had is it depends on the relationships. Perhaps you have a really strong community in your neighborhood and you don't want to lose that. I know my partner and I moved from an urban area up to the country, but we did that with the idea in mind of connecting with people our own age up here. And we had a couple of friends. So we were able to move comfortably into the country away from our more urban environment because we had those relationships. And you might have friendships. You might have a church that's really important to you that's near your home that you don't want to leave. For me, the, the choice is about relationships and then also to look at your finances. Would, would you have more flexibility and fluidity if you downsized? So that's something for you to look at with your financial planner. But I don't see why it couldn't work to stay in the suburban environment and just reimagine the environment. There you are home. You're not just coming home at night, but you're there all day long, is there something that you can do for that community that you didn't have time to do before? Something that we have talked about on this show is around COVID. And it's obviously too early to tell at this point. But could what we're seeing now be a deterrent for people wanting to live in closer quarters and I will say certainly during the lockdowns, I would raise my hand and say, I'm happy that I am in a suburban environment where I can still at least get out and go for a walk and have a little bit of normalcy rather than, let's say, being in the middle of a downtown where I can't even go for a run without having a mask and properly social distancing. So I won't even go into, of course, like assisted living facilities, because obviously that's where just the real nightmare scenarios have occurred. And to your point at the beginning of the episode, people don't want to say the D word for themselves, period. And with everything going on with COVID and quarantine, obviously it's very much in the top of people's minds. But if we can be futurists for a minute, do you have any thoughts or predictions about what we're seeing and how it may affect short-term or long-term plans for retirees? I really agree with you about feeling grateful and happy that you're in a place where you can walk around outside and 
you know, feel safe and, you know, you have some space and you have sidewalks. And so I'm up here in the country and I feel the same way. And I think just in the short term, I think it's important for people to, I just worked with a client recently who I had worked with 10 years ago, and she had a whole great third act retirement plan, which included lots of travel. So she called me up a few months ago and said, you know, I really need to rethink my third act vision here. And so we went back in and rejiggered it she, and, and reworked it to, to fill her time with something that doesn't have to do with European travel or travel around the world as she was planning. If you're in retirement, it's time to take out your retirement lifestyle plan and rethink it for the next year or two. And I do agree with you, Greg. I think there are going to be some big changes. I think people are going to be moving out of the city and more into the suburbs and countryside. And I think people are going to be working more remotely. I mean, we've seen that. I don't think people are going to want to go back to, you know, working in cubicles anymore if they don't have to. A number of folks that I know are planning on continuing to work remotely when that wasn't even a possibility before. And now it is. It's just been um, a radical change in our society. And I think it can be for the better. I tend to be a glass half full kind of person. And I see an opportunity of having more openness and flexibility, um, having parents maybe at home more with their younger children. I know it's really tough without the school, but working from home, I think it'll be better when kids are, of course, back in school. But I think there's all kinds of possibility. I tend to think about if you have lemons, how do you make lemonade? I think you're right on. And revisiting some of the topics we talked about for somebody developing their third act, being able to work remotely could certainly add flexibility to starting your own business. If it becomes less of an anomaly that you have a home office rather than having to rent a commercial space, well, hey, it just got a whole lot cheaper and easier to start your own business. And then again, even if you're wanting to stay in the corporate work world, having a remote job could certainly make it easier to go from one thing to the other. Also, like I mentioned, the side hustles and the gig economy, a lot of that is based uh, on being able to work from home. We've done an episode on being a virtual assistant, for example. That may not be something somebody wants to do, but hey, if you want (laughs) something that keeps your mind sharp a little bit, you don't have to leave your home really to do that. To add into what you're saying, um, my virtual assistant retired and moved to Georgia to be near her sister. And so she's she's a fantastic virtual assistant, but she lives in Georgia and I live in California, but we can come together and she does a great job. And this is how she's fleshing out and filling out her third act and bringing some money in. And just personally, my own business before the pandemic started, I had decided to move away from doing so much in-person work and doing more online and Zoom work. And one of the things I was really worried about was just the technology, because boomers, particularly the older boomers, just struggle with technology. Younger ones, of course, not so much. But I thought, oh my goodness, I think it's going to be a huge learning curve 
for my folks to do Zoom or Zoom-like meetings. But here came the pandemic, here came COVID, and now everybody knows how to do Zoom. They're all um, experts at it, so I don't have to do the training that I was thinking of. So it's it's a positive for me. I was already moving into the online uh, remote work before this all hit. So I feel pretty lucky. And I think all the scenarios that we're discussing really paint the picture of third act. And I know I've used the word retirement plenty of times, <laughs> but uh, to your to your point that that's not really what the future version and certainly not what the vision should be for somebody, speaking for myself, being able to do remote work. And you mentioned flexibility of the kids and that is absolutely my perspective, even so much so that I started to wonder in the next five years or so when my kids get old enough to be doing sports activities or other things that I want to be involved in, gee, am I going to have to find another line of work? And certainly a silver lining of what's going on right now is that remote work is becoming way less stigmatized than before. So you don't have to have these really hard and fast changes or anything like that. Maybe you really can fit everything in together. So it is for people that are of all ages and making sure you shape your life the way you want it to be, not necessarily waiting to this certain set age and, oh, I have to do this thing. And Right. And, and you know, we, we haven't had the role models for this 21st century kind of retu- retirement. We've had the role models of our maybe our grandparents or great-grandparents that they led a sedentary life. They spent time knitting or in front of the TV and didn't do too much, maybe family gatherings and things. But this third act that I'm talking about for the 21st century is about bringing all of the wisdom that that boomers have and bringing that to mentor the earlier, the younger generations. And you know, when you talk about the change in in work and the, and the flexibility, I mean, one of the things that I think is so sad is when people retire and all of their knowledge and their wisdom about the job that they have is lost. And so if there's a way that we can merge those two worlds or older people can be mentors to younger people and help them with ideas and thoughts and plans, I think about that as a possibility too for the future. So it's not really a hard and fast retirement, but you kind of shift into a more flexible position where your wisdom isn't lost. This is the first time on our planet that we've had so many people be senior citizens. Mostly people have died much earlier than this. So it's a very new frontier for older people. And it's an exciting time because it is a frontier time. And so those folks that are creating their own third acts now are really um, innovators and uh, pioneers in this field. It's very exciting time. It's a very exciting time and a very challenging time too. Emphasis on challenging (laughs) right this second, (laughs) but we'll all get through it. We will all adjust as we need to. And as we've been talking about, find the silver linings and the positive ways to move forward. Well, before I let you go, do you want to go ahead and give folks your contact information where they can find you on social media and then any other events or promotions you want to highlight? You can reach me through my website. It's www.thethirdact.com. And that's spelled 
spelled with the three, the number three. So it's the third app.com. And on my website, you can sign up for a free half hour discovery call. You can also get a huge resource list that helps you with retirement. And you can take a quiz that lets you know kind of where you are in your retirement on your retirement path, if you, you're all set and you're, everything is hunky-dory or whether you really need to start planning. So that's a great little quiz. And for all of your listeners, if you let me know that you heard me on Suburban Folk, um, I'm happy to give you a 20% discount on the, um, the offers that I have on my website. So I look forward to hearing from you. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. And we will put all of that information into the show notes so people can take a look and know where to find you. Again, Patricia, I appreciate you being on the show and we'll be in touch. Thanks, Greg. I appreciate it as well. Take good care. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you get podcasts. If you'd like to be notified of future weekly episodes, please hit the subscribe button. If you'd like to help us even further, visit SuburbanFolk.com and you'll find a donate button where all the money goes back into the show for you. Thanks for listening. Suburban Folk is part of the Pod All the Time podcasting network with 12 other great podcasts. Head over to SuburbanFolk.com for links to their shows. We're also part of the Ring Media Network. Go to RingMedia.com to learn more. That's R-R-I-N-G Media.com.